Wild Enrichment is independently owned and claims no affiliation to any zoo, aquarium, or other animal care institutions. All of the information and opinions communicated through this podcast, wildenrichment.com, and affiliated social media accounts are based on my own opinions and experiences and are not in any way reflective of the opinions of my employer's past or Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast, a podcast about zoos, aquariums, animal enrichment, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kyle Benton-Jones, zookeeper, animal lover, enrichment builder, and creator of wildenrichment.com. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a few, podca- a few different topics here, and we're actually joined by a repeat guest, Ben Martin, uh, he was he was in the browse uh, episode, and he's a, a self-proclaimed browse expert. <laughs> surprise, and, uh, surprise! I might be able to talk about some other things. <laughs> so uh, yes, so that's that's not the that's the intention today is to actually talk about other things as well. Um, you know, uh, Ben's a good friend of mine, so I figured I would bring him on for some more episodes, so it's not just me talking about uh, different topics and just me blabbering on about enrichment this way we kind of get to bounce ideas off of each other and uh, uh, try a few different things so we're trying a different format here we're trying to figure out what works for the podcast um, going forward so uh, definitely let us know what you think about uh, this sort of format uh, because we'll be throwing out a few more episodes like this and uh, then go from there hopefully do some more uh, interviews and stuff like that as the weeks go on but this is sort of uh the standard podcast that we were thinking about doing. So um, today we're going to be talking about a few different things uh, with Ben here. Um, on uh, actually a couple couple days ago, a couple I think I released it uh, last week. Um, it's currently February seventh. So it, in that late late in January there, I released a the survey results that I actually posted a little while ago. So I had three main questions. Um, what was the biggest challenge your enrichment program faces uh and do you do you think more animal enrichment slash welfare education and training uh for management and keepers could benefit overall animal welfare at your facility uh what content would you like to see more of from wild enrichment uh those are the three kind of questions so i thought it would be cool to um sort of break down what we what we found uh, from those from those questions and uh, uh, share the results in case you didn't see the Facebook post. If you want to see the actual graphs and all that, uh, I figured sharing my screen and all that wouldn't wouldn't translate very well since this is being released as a video and as just audio by itself. So if you want to actually go see these graphs, go over to my Facebook page and in my Instagram page and they'll be uh, posted there and you can kind of check them out. Um, they are uh, pretty interesting. We actually had quite a few respondents, about a, 122 respondents. So thank you for everybody that responded. And if, if you're listening to this, thank you. So um, I kind of gave them multiple choice questions here. Um, but uh, basically the first question, uh, what is the biggest challenge your enrichment program faces? I feel like we kind of knew what the answers were going to be because, you know, they're pretty much similar problems across the board, which is good and bad because it's good because, you know, if you can provide an answer, it can actually help a lot of people. But uh, bad because we're all facing the same problems, which, uh, you know, are can be can be large problems depending on what they are. 
So I do think with your first question here, like the what is the biggest challenge your enrichment program faces? Um, I'm amazed by looking at how diverse the the answers were. Much as they may break down into category, everyone has a lot of a lot of different problems that they're trying to break down. Like they didn't feel like there were three categories and they they all kind of yeah. fit into the box. There are so many different challenges enrichment programs face, and it's just by the nature of how it fits into your day. So I, I I'm also learning how Google Forms works because I put I put a couple categories and then a couple multiple choice answers and I put other and uh, a lot of people wrote their question their if they were combos I should have done an all all of the above because um, a lot of people basically said all of the above there's it's not a it's not a very clean pie we got a couple big slices and then we got like a thousand little slices because of the way Google Forms works so it's not a clean pie is the way. Uh, as you know, you traditionally see with uh, pie charts here, but essentially, uh, just over 35% of people uh, responded with, "There's not enough time in the day uh, to get all the enrichment done." So that's the biggest pro problem that people face. Uh, second was the facility not prioritizing enrichment slash the welfare of the animals, uh, which is pretty interesting. I actually didn't think. I'd get as many responses uh, of that um, for that uh, to this question. Um, that's, you know, not uh, not the best thing because I think uh, I think with a lot of the other solutions here, like not enough time in the day. Uh, well, I'll just give you all the answers here and then we can talk about them. That's a little bit better, but um, not enough staff, uh, which is sort of ties into not enough time in the day. You know, if there's more staff, then you have more time in the day and uh, staff not putting in effort to the enrichment. So and then all of the other little slices essentially boil down into all of the above or uh, resources and money. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown there. But yeah, so the one that surprised me the most was definitely facilities not prioritizing enrichment because um, that's a that's a big that can feel like a big bigger problem when you're working at a facility. Um, you know, I think uh, I think because it, it's hard it's hard if you just don't have time in the day. You know, there's 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 things that you can cut and kind of a restructuring of your day and sort of a time audit uh, that you can do in your day to kind of see what you can, you know, what you can prioritize in order to to do more enrichment. I, I'd actually be really interested. This might be something that we talk about further on, like maybe we put out another survey just on this slice, mm -hmm. because like I, you know, this is more we're branching out into my personal philosophy. By the way, the, the browse puns will continue branching out <laughs> left, right, and center. We want them, Ben. Give them to us. <laughs> but but when I look at you know staff or it's you know facilities not prioritizing enrichment, the the zookeeping field in, in you know in my mixed metaphors that I'm going to throw out there, I look at it as one big onion, right? There's critical care components. You know, there's food, water, you know, sunlight, space. Like you've got these very very basic. Yeah, you know what it takes to keep the animal alive, hmm. and as zookeeping has kind of elevated as a career and as a as facilities understand more about these animals, like as a science, the, slices, yeah. the, the onion keeps getting these layers onto it, right? right. Where enrichment yeah. was, you know, in the early days, it's oh well, you know, we we put them together with a couple other animals, they're good. Hmm. That's that's all they need to do, and then yeah. the, the keeper involvement has, I think, it's skyrocketed on the enrichment front. Um, mm -hmm. So like lots of facilities, you're seeing jobs come out there for this kind of stuff. You got forms, you got AZA requirements. Yeah. Um, 
that are coming out for this kind of stuff. And it's, it's just becoming more and more of a, a requirement. Mm-hmm. And so those, those layers, you know, I'm sure that as facilities grow, there's growing pains with that where, you know, your staffing yeah. level was 30 before. If you do all the enrichment in the day, it's going to take up to 40 staff or something, but the facility is not going to just keep increasing staff that way. Cause it's a qualitative number. Yeah. It's not quantitative. It's not like, you're not going to throw more people through the door because you're taking care of these animals better. So, you know, facilities are going to have these hard decisions to make in terms of like money versus quality care. And, yeah. you know, truthfully, a lot of facilities are making the right choice on quality care, but I think it's a delayed reaction to mm-hmm. how the field is changing and how knowledge base is being put forward. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the, uh, the actual role of zookeeper is becoming different and more and more different every single year as as the science evolves and as we understand more and more what we actually need to provide these animals for them to thrive in captivity not just exist in captivity so i think uh i think it's definitely evolving and it's and it takes a long time for these these companies to uh you know sort of catch up to where the job needs to be versus where it is now versus where it was 10 years ago and Um, I I don't always think it it requires more staff. It just requires a, I think a lot of the time, uh, sometimes it does because there's some facilities that are, you know, most facilities are understaffed, but there's some places that are chronically understaffed to the point where, uh, you know, everybody's giving it their all because there is that slice of the pie, uh, you know, 12 percent of people did say that staff was were not putting effort into enrichment so i wonder if that 12 percent um across the board came and started actually uh uh understanding enrichment and putting more of an effort to it like how that would affect uh the rest of the pie uh because i think that's that's huge if you're not if you're not utilizing those resources uh appropriately like your staffing resources appropriately that can have a major effect if you're already you know close to being understaffed or being understaffed it's uh if you don't already don't have those people working toward that common goal you uh you're definitely going to run into problems there and i do think that you're this survey you know the the amount of different types of zoos small medium large like very private public you're, you're encompassing a lot of different size zoos that mm-hmm. may have, like, there may be a maintenance department that's able to build, or carpenters that are able to yeah. build some things for you. Yeah, absolutely. And other things, it's literally like the zookeeper is the mm-hmm. only staff here, so you're doing everything already. And yeah. I, I could see how that would pile up quickly where it's, yeah. know, if you don't have enough time in the day because you're, you're being pulled in 10 different directions covering everything from ticketing all the way through, yeah. then then maybe that is a, that that becomes a big draw in your day where you're like, okay, well, I could design a bunch of enrichment items, but that's going to be a full mm-hmm. day, and I'm never going to be given a full day of just making enrichment to give me your base level palette to pull yeah. from. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes into facilities not prioritizing enrichment because I think if facilities, uh, a lot of places understood what's needed, there wouldn't be as many zookeepers that are also janitors that are also maintenance workers that are also uh you know taking care of uh you know the lawn and uh maintaining gardens and that kind of thing i think there would be less of that happening because it is a complex job and it does require um a lot more than just changing water and putting food out uh, as we're beginning to understand so and i, and I, do and I don't think- say beginning because i say that a little facetiously because it's not necessarily <laughs> It's not necessarily new that we that we have known this. So, um. oh, and I think um, you know something we're maybe not even hitting now is you've put this survey out during a global pandemic, mm-hmm. where time in the day is of the essence. Like there yeah. is 
It's true. Uh, there are cuts across the board. I'm sure that there are, yeah. you know, hundreds of zoos out there that are struggling mm -hmm. and have had to make tough choices. Like I've seen, you know, we've got, you, you've already talked to the zoo creepers, uh, one of the heads of that. Yeah, like, yeah. Seeing that site blow up and seeing other resources that zoo mm -hmm. zookeepers have talking about how they've had layoffs and the job doesn't change just yeah, because stuff out there, you know, we have money problems. Like you still have to take care of the animals and you have a standard that yeah. you want to hold. Yeah. Um, you, you're already making tough choices on where you have to prioritize spending your time. No, absolutely. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of those squares can kind of, they're, it's, they're not separate things. You know, I think, uh, not having enough time in the day does go with not, not enough staff and not staff, not putting, uh, effort into enrichment also is a huge time drag. So I think they're all, uh, sort of related, uh, there, which was interesting to see. Um, so, uh, the next, the next one, uh, that we actually put out was, uh, do you think more animal enrichment slash welfare education and training could benefit overall animal care, uh, animal welfare at your facility? Uh, so overwhelmingly, uh, it was yes, which is positive, I think, because, uh, if it was overwhelmingly no, um, then that would be, you know, if you can't fix something with just education, it's a pretty large problem. So I think the fact that people that, and that also ties into the fact that, uh, you know, facilities aren't prioritizing enrichment. I think if they understood, uh, animal welfare and, uh, you know, enrichment concepts in general, they'd probably start prioritizing it more. So I think it's it's very good that almost 80% of the people said that they could benefit from that. Mm -hmm. I do think as as a career, we I mean, this was probably a more expected than most answers, yeah. just because as a career, like zoo, zookeeping, no one goes into zookeeping being like, oh, we know everything about every animal yeah. species. There's, you know, it's just pulling from what's already out there. Like you go into this field because it's so unique. There's so much unknown. There's so many exciting avenues to approach the topic that yeah. you know that there's going to be learning opportunities across the board. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's absolutely. good to see that 80% of people are still really excited about learning more about something mm. that they might not know everything about already. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, it is, it is good to see that. Uh, 16% of people did say maybe, but that's, that's fair. You know, you don't, you don't know how things are going to change with education. Everybody's been part of an education program or a revolutionary new training and organization that doesn't seem to have the effect that it uh, was supposed to. So um, it's definitely what we're trying to do at Wild Enrichment is to put out more educational materials and to raise awareness around um, animal welfare and proper enrichment pra practices in uh, for animals in captivity. So um, it's good to see that uh, it is needed and uh, we'll definitely continue to put out information that uh, hopefully that you find interesting uh, around that and useful. Uh, so, and then we asked, you know, what content would you like to see more from, uh, more of from Wild Enrichment and, uh, overwhelmingly more build guides, more build videos, uh, webinars, workshops for facilities, um, and more articles surrounding animal welfare. We have a lot of articles, uh, and we have, we're working, definitely working on webinars. Stay tuned for those. Uh, but uh, we definitely need to get back in the build guides and build videos. I started Wild Enrichment with the sole intention of just making build videos and build guides. And uh, it kind of turned into something a little bit different because I felt uh, build guides are very, are, they're very useful for a 
a handful of people, but I find they have trouble kind of translating into different scenarios. There's so many different scenarios where one enrichment item might not work for a specific animal in a different, a different place because of, you know, other animals there and how they share the exhibit with, or the design of the exhibit, like, you know, uh, a rolling hay feeder, for example, it's a great, it's great for a lot of hoof stock, but if you have a moat around your exhibit, it's, it's useless, right? So it's hard to make enrichment that's sort of a generic cure-all for for a specific species or for a group of animals so um and when you and when you do have an enrichment item like that chances are some company out there is already making it yeah plastic exactly. mass producing it exactly, for dogs exactly. cats, whatever <laughs> yeah so we're definitely we're definitely not uh i'm definitely not against putting that uh content out but um there will be more of it coming out you know hopefully soon but uh uh yeah so there is definitely a lot of articles and we'll be putting out more of those but it was interesting to see that almost 40 percent of people really want more build guides and um another 20 percent wanted more build videos so uh, more than half that pie so it was it was definitely interesting uh to talk about there uh, to to see to see in that pie chart um again you can go see these uh charts and these questions uh, on my Facebook and Instagram page, if you want to take a look at them. Uh, yeah, so we just have a couple points here. We just briefly, we want to do a whole other, uh, in like episode, a podcast episode and potentially a video and stuff like that on, uh, time sensitive enrichment and, uh, easy enrichment because obviously time was the biggest, uh, factor that is limiting people, uh, for enrichment. So, um, yeah, uh, Ben had the idea of this uh, enrichment palette, so maybe yeah. you could sort I, of I just talk. Know, I, yeah, I so when we were brainstorming about this podcast, it was just you know I, I always had this vision of enrichment as you want to have your tried and trues, your your things that you can pull from in every day. And maybe I've been watching too much Bob Ross in this pandemic, or or maybe you know That's it's just been on my mind a lot of having this paint palette going, but. I like to look at enrichment as maybe having this, you know, this basic palette and you're mixing colors together and you're mixing different enrichments together that combine to create more complex things. Um, and so we were talking about maybe putting something out there that gives you um, almost a, a basic toolkit to, to start building for yourself um, for different, you know, species, different uh, genus that uh, at least gives you something to start on and then you can always build off of it from there. Um, so like, you know, a lot of us talk about like, I think every facility or most facilities are using boxes in some form, you know, bottles, logs, you know, you've got mm -hmm. these basic puzzle feeders, uh, scent enrichment, that kind of stuff creates this kind of base for you that you can start building and combining to create more complex enrichment that really kind of gives you variety where you need it most. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that's, uh, it's really cool to, uh, think about it like that because it kind of uh, makes it a little bit more simple and and uh, it's definitely it would be easier for a facility or or uh, wild enrichment to put out a sort of guide uh, that talks about uh, that sort of concept and you know what what are your basics and and how can you kind of mix and mix and match them and that's I also think uh, and kind of building on that I think a lot of people when they when they're worried about giving their animals novel enrichment or or stuff that's really going to elicit an amazing reaction, I think one of the easiest ways to actually do that is to uh, figure out a different way of presenting enrichments uh, that you've already given them. So uh, 
I, I think combining enrichment items, uh, like if you have a zip line and you have some uh, some enrichment items that you can hang in the zip line that you don't usually, you don't usually present them that way. I think that's a great way of actually making, making something that you already have completely new, uh, instead of actually trying to be, come up with a completely new enrichment item or uh, a new, new concept. I think different ways of, uh, combining things, uh, will, will definitely elicit a, a completely new, uh, new response, uh, from an animal, uh, so it is an easy way of doing that. So I've also put um, enrichment calendars. Uh, a lot of facilities already do this, but this is a great way of also dealing with, uh, you know, staff not putting into uh, in effort into enrichment because I've, I've definitely worked with people. They, they have the intention of doing the enrichment. It's just, I think they get so caught up in what am I going to give this animal to that's actually going to make it do something instead of, uh, you know, trying to just think of, of the tried and true things that do elicit reactions. They get too caught up and then they just, you know, throw a ball into an exhibit and call it enriched, you know? So I think creating an enrichment calendar, sitting down at the beginning of a month and coming up with a month worth of enrichment and posting that. So you just eliminate the thinking from a lot of those people. So you don't really need to think about it and you can just put it in. Obviously there's challenges. If you have a really motivated team that really wants to do those new presentations and, and come up with new ideas all the time and you have the time to do that, uh, enrichment calendars uh, have the opposite effect. They're very, very limiting and they're, and they can really, you know, make you not want to do a new enrichment, uh, ideas. But I think if you have a team that's struggling, uh, with time, and maybe some team members that aren't really putting as much effort in as they should. I think an enrichment calendar is a great way of uh, kind of setting the bar and showing them what you what you want, as as opposed to just getting angry at them for not doing it. Yeah, and I think that there's like I I have some you know love hate relationships with enrichment calendars because I do yeah. feel like there's there's something like in keeping in general there's there's this need to have a little bit of free choice for the keeper so you have something to build with. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like this idea of an enrichment palette, having things at your disposal so that it's easy to pull from to make or to do like you can throw a ball in, but you have a like a schedule that says, you know, oh, you know, I got a ball yesterday. You're writing it down. Yeah. Um, I've, I've found that sometimes it can have the opposite effect, right, where an enrichment calendar gets put out there. And maybe, you know, if, if you didn't immediately put the effort into ensure that everything is is available at any given time or if there's, you know, you know, this box is being put there. There's only one box in the pile and you use it. It's one of the few items this animal can get, but there's no replenishing or something like that. The The enrichment calendar gets very restrictive very quickly where yeah, someone needs to absolutely. keep on top of it. So that's, that is more beneficial. I think when there's maybe a point person for those animals, where it's someone's job to make sure that they're keeping up with dispersing enrichment. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think we come into the, you're going back to the organization of enrichment and how, using your resources effectively to distribute it evenly across the facility is really important. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I do think enrichment calendars as good as they are, they have good intentions. Um, some keepers that can have the opposite effect where they don't want to deal with yeah. that at all. Because I think it, I, I think it really depends on the team and who's, who's using much. it for sure. Um, so also just tying into kind of easy enrichment here, cause we're just going to skim these two topics. And then I think we'll go into them more in a separate podcast where we can really, uh, kind of dive in and come up with solutions to these problems. But I think another, another, the, one of the biggest, uh, overlooked things, uh, to do with an enrichment program, uh, for a specific animal. And, uh, it's 
you know, easy and uh, doesn't take any time is really actually looking at the environment the animal's in. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of animals out there that are uh, put in subpar environments and enrichment is a band-aid for those subpar environments. And I think uh, looking at those environments and thinking about how you can make them better suited to the animal is going to give them way more enrichment and way more bang for your buck with the enrichment that, that with the time that you're actually putting into it, uh, as opposed to just, you know, putting enrichment in every day and then still wondering why the animal is having, you know, negative, uh, behavioral consequences. I think, uh, actually looking at how you can redesign the furniture, uh, in the exhibit, how you can, uh, you know, make different hiding places, use different substrates, uh, really does look what the animal's in in the wild and really try to mimic that as opposed to uh, just putting enrichment in and wondering why uh, the animal's acting the way it's it's acting. And I think even looking at your exhibit and having maybe um, compartmentalized like removable pieces that you can add in so you can do complete exhibit changes without, you know, breaking the bank or completely like taking the whole day on one animal just to make the exhibit redone. Yeah. Making sure that you have these kind of removable components that you can add in or change shelving or change perching or change whatever, all that, like, I don't know, I, I love the idea of having a ton of different hangable spots and then making sure yeah. that you're changing your enrichment on a schedule, maybe like once a month you go, okay, well, we're going to change up the, the ropes around this exhibit for these primates or the perches need to be changed in X, Y, Z, and, you know, yeah. agree with your team on what a schedule should be for a complete exhibit makeover Mm -hmm. or a, even a, a compartmentalized version of that. And that might help you a lot looking at it in that lens and saying, well, at least we're giving them a, a slow changeover, like a, a large scale changeover mm -hmm. on a longer timeline. And then day to day, you're getting these enrichment items in. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think, uh, I think it's very important. Uh, I would rather have an animal in an environment 24 hours a day that it's, it's finding, you know, it, like, let's say it's finding the, 24 hours a day, it's finding its environment a six out of 10, you know, I would rather, uh, like in a, an animal sitting in a six out of 10 enrichment level, than have a very, very subpar environment. That's a two out of 10 and you're giving it a four out of 10 enrichment item, you know, every single day, I'd rather the animal be in a better environment, 24 hours a day than interacting with enrichment a couple hours a day maximum. So I think, I think it's important to uh, really think about what the animal, what the animal's environment is and critically look at it and kind of see where you can, you can add things and where you can make it better. Cause I think, uh, you know, you do that once that could last a couple months that could last even, even longer. And I think that's a one-time investment that'll keep on, keep on giving. So, and kind of making it modular, as you were saying that you can easily swap stuff out and having some different things on the go is a fantastic way of using your time effectively and actually getting uh, getting more bang for your buck with, with your enrichment time that's being put into it. So, mm -hmm. um, And I do think, like, you know, while we're still on the topic of easy enrichment or environmental enrichment stuff, um, this is where it's so critical to have keeper involvement right off the bat in designing exhibits where you have, you know, someone that's there that's saying, well, I'm going to need to use this every day and so I, can we put like a hanger here? Can we put a water feature here? Can we put, you know, these 10 perching pieces so I know that I have something to work with? Because, you know, nothing's worse than walking into a, a new exhibit that's never like you've never really done anything in it. And you go, well, there's there's not much I can do. I can only add to it mm -hmm. on independent compartmentalized pieces. 
I can't tie into anything. I have to start redesigning the whole space just to suit me. And it's not yeah. built for what I'm doing. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's important to, to kind of think of all those things when you're looking at an exhibit and it's easy when you're, when you're working in an exhibit every single day, day in, day out, like you, it, it's honestly, it's hard to actually realize what the exhibit looks like, like critically, you know, like you, you wait, it's only when you take a step back and really look at it, you're like, Oh, like there, there, this is, this is not really an appropriate space, like perching wise or, or, uh, den wise or whatever for that animal. So I think actually really critically looking at it is a good way of, uh, uh coming up with easy, easy enrichment. So, mm -hmm. and you've also put a note about, uh, you know, using the environment, uh, that you're, that you're kind of in. Oh yeah. Like I, I think in, in, you know, we're, we're in Canada, so we've obviously got this lovely snow and tons of leaves lovely. in the fall. You know, there's, there's these great, great things already built in. So using those to your advantage on the day to day is not only, yeah. you know, it's, it's great for the animal. I'm sure if you involve your PR department or you're making sure that you're taking good footage of it, it's absolutely adorable when you hit, like put a snowman out there and you see an animal yeah. go after it. Great. Uh, yeah. It, it is a great novelty to really use the environment in a different way. Like mm -hmm. I know even like I was, um, I was caring for peafowl recently and I piled up the leaves and I, I was going to pick them up the next day. And I watched these peacocks just swarm the leaf pile. And they're like, you know, what the heck is this? This is fantastic. I had no idea. And these leaves have been in there for a while. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just funny what happens when you just rearrange some of the stuff that's already in the exhibit for them by, by you yeah. touching it. It's almost yeah. like it's magically changed the, the fundamental yeah. structure of what that is. Yeah. No, I definitely think that's uh, that's an important. So those are just some things, important things that we thought uh, we could touch on. We'll definitely go into those uh, topics a little bit more because I think that's uh, those are the the questions that most people have. So uh, speaking of questions, we did actually have a few uh, articles that we were going to talk about, but I think um, you know we're already we're already at like half an hour here, so we'll we'll save the. There's some good articles that we want to talk about, but I think we'll save them and go to some more questions from social media that we got for the podcast. Well, uh, and I think that maybe um, just, this is just an idea because so as you guys know as an audience, like I'm new here, um, we're trying something different here. Maybe do you want to put these articles out there and maybe we can get some other people's perspectives on them and maybe talk mm -hmm. about them next week. Yeah. Um, or next time we do this, like this is, this is going to be a conversation. And if you guys have any questions, comments, you know, things you want to talk about, things you want to comment on that we've talked about today, um, we're looking for that feedback so that we can actually make this a discussion with people that are on the ground doing this. Cause this is a, that's what we need is a lot of communication in this category, right? Yeah, no. And, and I did, and I reached out for a couple questions, uh, and we have a few questions that we were going to talk about here. Um, uh, so I definitely, I definitely want to continue doing that. If you do have any more questions, uh, feel free to, I'll, I will be putting some posts out there, uh, for the questions. So definitely ask them and we'll talk about them on the podcast, uh, or feel free to, uh, message wild enrichment and I will get back to you. Uh, so the first question here is, um, what are some telltale signs that an animal is lacking enrichment slash under stimulated? Um, so I have covered this in a couple articles. Uh, in my most recent one, Why Enrichment is an Extra, that's the title of it. Uh, you can find it on the blog section of my website. Uh, I do go pretty in-depth into uh, into this, but um, 
the main one is obviously stereotypies. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty telltale sign, you know, pacing, head swinging, repetitive patterns, agitation. Uh, the, one of the main reasons this kind of happens is that, uh, you know, animals aren't able to, uh, it's a repeated attempt to try to adapt to the environment and to a lot of the time to show, uh, to experience the natural behaviors that they're supposed to be displaying in the, in the wild and not being able to display them and failing to kind of cope, uh, with the environment that they're being put in. So you really need to assess how the animal is actually coping with the environment as opposed to looking for signs um, uh, that the enrichment is actually lacking or it's understimulated. So, um, yeah. And this is where you too, like, you know, it's so critical as a keeper to go through your, your natural history, you know, looking at your exhibit with a critical eye right mm -hmm. off the bat and saying, well, where, where are our gaps? Where are our limitations? You know, what what are we able to do within this the constraints of what we have at our disposal? Um, again, like my my browse experience is more than you know. Oral stereotypies are pretty common in in giraffe in captivity or in horses. You know, uh, shout out to the horses in the morning podcast. I'm sure. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> good audience. Yeah, there. cribbing stuff like that. Yeah, in, yeah, in, uh, cribbing, bar biting. Yeah. yeah. So so all that kind of stuff like. It, the hypothesis there would be that there's there's something missing in terms of structure um, and texture that they're they're missing out on in their diet or something like that. And so that's and that's why it's important when we talk about enrichment calendars and stuff like maybe having the having versatility is so important in your program and being responsive to what you're seeing in your animal. Mm -hmm. Like if I see an animal that I know eats a lot of browse in their lifetime, and that's one of the main portions of diet. And I'm not feeding browse at the time. And I'm noticing, you know, a lot of oral stereotypies that they're, you know, they're they're constantly licking bars, licking little like you've got, you know, they're licking the paint off the walls or something like that. Yeah. That's where you know you need to change something. You need to change yeah, absolutely. it because you don't want this to become a long-term repetitive stereotypy. Absolutely. And and I think uh, you know, it's important to really be to know the kind of uh, full range of behaviors that your animal should be displaying in the wild and trying to trying to hit on every aspect of their life uh, is uh, and their kind of day to day if they were in the wild. I think that's a great way of making sure that you're still, uh, you know, hitting you have all your bases covered. And I think that's a good way of making sure you don't get to the point that you're actually seeing telltale signs uh, that they're lacking enrichment. Cause I think as soon as you start to see signs, you're going to have to start dealing with, it's not a black and white issue as far as how to break a stereotypy or why an animal showing a stereotypy. So, um, trying to get there before you're actually seeing the signs is the best plan of attack. Uh, it's not always possible, but, uh, really try to be looking at what, what your animal is supposed to be doing in the wild and trying to hit on all of those bases. You know, I'm sensing a lot in this podcast so far, we've hit two pretty good tropes. There's, you know, there's thrive or survive. <laughs> yep. And then, and what did you just talk about there? This is the, like, you got to be proactive in things and make sure yeah. it, you know, what is, oh, you're gonna have to cut this part out, Kyle. Cause I know, <laughs> I know I just had a thought in my head and it was like, you know, the best defense is a good offense. That's the, one. that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that, and that's true because as soon as you get to that point where you're starting to see signs, uh, it's, it's not necessarily too late, but they can be hard to correct and, and you might already be too far gone. So definitely, uh, definitely that's something you want to be proactive with. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So we have another one, which is very, very common. Uh, it's a common topic uh, with keepers. Uh, enrichments uh, with natural materials versus artificial materials. Um, I definitely want to start off by saying, uh, I think keepers and everybody, everybody wants an, an animal's exhibit to look like the natural, their natural habitat, right? Like we all, we all, we like natural enrichment just looks better, right? It's, it, it does. But I will say facilities that say all of the enrichment must be 100% natural, must look a certain way and must adhere to these exact guidelines. I think that's super, super limiting and dare I say irresponsible um, uh, because I, I think that really puts you in a box of you know, some of these problems and some of the uh, it, the enrichment challenges that you're going to be encountering, you got to have all of the tools in your toolbox, you know, and I think although natural enrichment items look great, this isn't a natural environment. So I think we need to be open to uh, unnatural enrichment items as well. Uh, you know, if an animal really likes hitting a boomer ball around and that's what it likes to do, then we should do that. And although it doesn't look natural if the the animal welfare is above everything else here so everybody wants to see natural enrichment in the exhibit we want to we want it to look a certain way you know you want to see an orangutan swinging through the rainforest like it's just the way you want to you, you like it, it's appealing but it's also very very limiting so well and, and this is like this is also i think coming from a place of we need to change the public perspective on things and understanding yeah. why Absolutely. and that's why as facilities, that's why I do think that facilities that are underappreciating how you put forward enrichment are also going to be the facilities that are are forgetting to put in, you know, like when you put in good money at the beginning into an exhibit design to make it natural and having all these pockets and built in, you know, puzzle feeders or whatever that are hidden to a point behind the scenes, but have a good forward facing piece. You're trying to give your keepers a lot of the the freedoms of using unnatural or like synthetic enrichment, while it's still the forward facing part of it looks natural to the exhibit in the the biome that you're trying to create. Um, yeah. And then I also think that your PR departments and your signage, you know, any of that going forward, that's I, I've seen some great signs that say, you know, hey, you know, this exhibit looks like it's filled with garbage it's not garbage, it's enrichment. And this is why it's so important to put that in and yeah. changing the narrative and the conversation that we're putting forward is so critical. Like we, as a field, our whole thing is changing the narrative, right? Because yeah. people don't understand Absolutely. if they can't understand, they don't love it. If they don't love it, they won't serve, mm -hmm. uh, they won't uh, conserve it. So that narrative applies to everything. Yeah, and it does. Just as much as enrichment, right? Like that, yeah. that is how we should approach enrichment too, is that it's understanding that this is not like, you know, throwing a ball for your dog may not be natural, but it is a, a supernatural thing when you're targeting a behavior mm. instead of just looking at it as garbage or enrichment or, yeah. you know, something separate from the animal itself. It's it's looking at the animal as the ultimate goal of what you're doing. Yeah, I think I think by saying you only want natural looking enrichment, that's a excuse for facilities being lazy about their education departments. Like, Put I out think the content saying that the priority is just public perception. Yeah. And, and that's your top goal. Yeah. Like if you, if you are worried about the public perception of unnatural enrichment, 
then you need to make sure that your education department is telling people more about what enrichment is and why it's there. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a fear that is completely unfounded because if you no no member of the public is going to see an animal, if an animal is interacting with an enrichment item, no matter what it is, as long as it doesn't act like, uh, obviously if it's a, if it's a recycled Gatorade bottle, you know, they're, they're going to have, they're going to be like, why is there a Gatorade bottle in there? But if, if it's a, if it's a Gatorade, (laughs) that would be fantastic. Um, (laughs) Gatorade, if you're listening. Uh, (laughs) But if, if you're, if a member of the public that has no previous education with animals is seeing an animal interacting with an object uh, in a positive way, that's the very easy thing to explain away. Like that's, that's not something that's going to be negative. No one's going to film an, uh, an animal like playing with or interacting in a natural way with an unnatural item and frame that in a negative way, unless it's an actual piece of garbage. So I think, uh, you just, just, uh, do a little bit of education and then, then that solves that. And know? I will I say like, it's a debate. I've, I've seen a lot of different zoos and some of my, like, this is maybe from a, a keeper perspective, mm-hmm just because we're all nerding out a little bit with it. But I have loved how certain zoos frame the conversation differently. Like they'll put something in there, like say with, you know, grizzly bears or something, you put in, uh, uh, I don't know, some sort of insulated cooler and Mm. you change the conversation where you say they're encountering this because people throw away garbage in the wild and it's got food in it and you need to learn behavior. And this is why it's important to pick up after yourself, like changing the narrative what you're telling so people understand that this isn't something that's exclusive to the zoo like animals are in our world we're in their world and exactly. the lines are not crisp and clean it's, it's no. all shade gray no and so what you do has an impact that that whole mm. narrative is something we have to push in every aspect and that's why this um non you know non-natural enrichment synthetic enrichment um i think it's such a cool conversation to have where some zoos have really rocked it in terms of their signage, in terms of their education and their angle on things, yeah, yeah. Um, and others can learn from that by a long shot. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah, it's like saying you can only do a task with your right hand while your left hand is available too. Like it, there's picking your nose at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just not uh, it's it's just not a. I don't think it's an an argument that that uh, facilities or a topic that facilities need to worry about. Like I think. I think um, just a little bit of education can completely circumvent that argument and you can give the enrichment that best suits the animal as opposed to worrying if it's natural or non-natural. So that's what I think of that. Um, uh, Yeah, so that's pretty much it for the most part uh, for what we had to talk about today. We have a few things that we will talk about, uh, you know, next episode. Um, but if you have any more questions that you you want us to do, like the Q and A sort of thing that we just did for the last two questions, uh, definitely uh, submit them. Uh, shoot shoot us a message. We would love to talk about uh, any sort of questions or topics that you want us to talk about. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, that was fantastic. And uh, Ben will be uh, with us for, for some more podcasts. So thank and you, depending, Ben. Depending on how good this has been for people, if, if you like <laughs> what we're talking about and how we're talking about yes. it, definitely leave some comments. I'm sure Kyle can boot me at any time. So, uh, you know, so please, I'm on the line here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us again, Ben. That was a uh, fantastic podcast. And I look forward to doing some more, uh, more episodes with you. So yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, We will talk to you guys next time. Thank you.